So these first two Sundays of Advent, I've been very struck by our first readings. And during Advent, almost always the first reading at our, at our Sunday Masses is from the prophet Isaiah. Now, in order for us to just have a better understanding of these prophecies, it's helpful for us to understand the context in which Isaiah was prophesying what was going on in Israel at the time. So Isaiah was prophesying in the 700s BC. This is a very long time ago. I was just noticing how Matthew, the gospel writer, quotes Isaiah. Matthew was written almost 2,000 years ago. And so he's quoting Isaiah who wrote 700 years before that. So we're talking about a very ancient text, 2,700 years old, that we get to hear this morning. Now, in the 700s BC, when Isaiah was prophesying, Israel was in a very bad place. Now, Israel was divided at the time. Sometimes we hear about Israel being a divided kingdom, and it certainly was. You, you had the northern ten tribes of Israel, that we, we refer to that as Israel, and then the southern two tribes, which are referred to as Judah. Now, the whole thing we call Israel, but it's divided. So there's the northern ten tribes who occupy the north of the country, divided, and now two tribes at the south that we call Judah. Now, in the 700s in the north, uh, Israel was really being attacked by the Assyrians, and in 722 it was, it was destroyed. And the people, the Israelites there, either, either were deported and then lost forever, never heard from again, or if they stayed, uh, they, they began to intermarry with the foreigners who were moving into Israel. And they stopped, really lost the practice of the faith. So we're talking about a terrible time where 10 of the 12 tribes virtually disappeared. And so all you had left then in the 700s were these, these lower two tribes of, of, of Israel called Judah. And even in Judah, things were very bad as the Assyrians also were attacking Judah, reducing the people of Israel to living just in Jerusalem, the city and the area just surrounding it. So this, this would have been very bad. The people would have thought... Are, are we going to make it out of this? Are we going to have a country at all? Are we going to have a people at all? Are we going to have a faith at all? So devastating was this time. I was reading about this time period a little bit this weekend, and this is what, what someone had, had written about how the Israelites would have felt. He wrote this, that they would have found themselves at this time outnumbered, powerless, and culturally impotent in the face of forces that seemed ready to extinguish from the face of the earth any witness to the true God. Outnumbered, powerless, culturally impotent. When I read those words, I was thinking, man, that's us today. That's Christians today. Outnumbered, powerless, impotent, culturally so it's probably only going to get worse for us too. But that also means that 
we can relate to what the Israelites were going through. And Isaiah has a word to speak to us as well, as we ourselves wonder if our church is going to last, if our church is going to make it. I don't mean lower C church, Holy Trinity. I think we're doing okay. We have great, a great number of people here this morning. But I'm talking about the Catholic Church or Christianity in general as more and more people in our country leave the practice of the Christian faith or cease to identify as Christian altogether. It's astonishing numbers. It's happening with astonishing speed. It's the reality. So uh, I'm not... My intention is to preach a word of hope today, actually. Uh, and it's hope in what God is saying through his prophet. Now, if we, if we think of what Israel is going through at this time, then we, can, we get a sense of what, what Isaiah is saying to the people. So he says this, to, today we hear him say this, On that day a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse. And I love that image of the stump. Uh, we, last summer, we had a big stump taken out from right beside the church. And every, every day I'd walk past it, and finally John Entinger took it out. It's a lot of work to take out that stump. But what is a stump? Maybe you have one in your backyard. A stump is all that remains of something that at once had been healthy, large, a tree, Full of life. The bigger the stump, it, it means the bigger the tree it was. And outside the church, we had a really big stump. So that meant it, at one time it had been healthy, full of life, fruitful. But now what is it? It's dead. It's just something that, it's, it's like the little remnant that remains the little evidence that something had been there before but is no longer relevant it's dead lifeless producing no fruit so the prophet today says on that day a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse and what's the stump of Jesse what's well, Israel Jesse's the father of David the king and so if we think about what Israel was struggling with at that time, it would have seemed like a stump. And even in the, day, the days, the next 700 years leading up to, uh, to the time where Jesus was born, this is what Israel is like. Just something that used to be great. Something that was glorious at one time. During the days of King David and his son Solomon especially. But since then, much more looking like a stump dead, lifeless, than a tree. But the prophet says, on that day, a shoot shall sprout from the stump of Jesse, and from his roots a bud shall blossom. In other words, the unbelievable is going to happen. A miracle is going to happen, that out of something that was dead and lifeless, producing no fruit, life is going to come. And that is a prophecy regarding, we know who it is, it's Jesus. That from the dead stump of Israel, new life is going to come, Jesus. And then during the rest of this beautiful prophecy, we, we hear what this new King David, this new David is going to be. 
It says that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and of understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, of knowledge, of fear of the Lord. Now, if you've been confirmed, you've maybe heard those words before, because these are the gifts of the Holy Spirit that we receive in a special way, in in a profound way, at our confirmation. So if you've been confirmed, these gifts are yours for the taking. They are. They might be hidden within you, but they're within you. Uh, Many of our confirmation candidates are at Mass this morning. So this this is the gift that they're waiting to receive, the this newfound gift of the Holy Spirit that will give them, if they're open to these gifts, wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, fear of the Lord, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we hear that Jesus was full of the Spirit of the Lord. What else do we, what else do we hear from this prophecy about this new David, this Jesus? It says, not by appearance shall he judge, nor shall he decide by hearsay, but he shall judge the poor with justice, and he'll decide a right for the lands afflicted. So what does that mean? He's not coming for the wealthy people, the powerful people. He's not coming for the people who have it all together, the ruling class of this world. He's coming for the people who are downtrodden the people who struggle, the people who feel their poverty very deeply, whether that's material poverty or spiritual poverty or human poverty, whatever kind of poverty our humanity finds itself in. It's good news for me, at least, my own great poverty and need, not material poverty, but spiritual poverty, maybe for you too, so he talks about how this, is, this king is going to be a king for the poor. And then he says, this, I just love these lines, the wolf shall be the guest of the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the young lion shall browse together with a little child to guide them, the cow and the bear shall be neighbors, the lion shall eat hay like the ox, the baby play like cobra's den. There shall be no harm or ruin on all my holy mountain. Isn't that something? It's interesting for us to read, to read these prophecies and to see how these prophecies have been fulfilled and what we're still waiting for to happen. So this is really good for us to think about during Advent because Advent, during the season of Advent, we focus on Christ's coming. This is what the word Advent literally means, to come. And so what are the comings of Christ that we're waiting for during Advent? Well, the first coming of Christ has to do with his coming in history, which happened already, past tense. He came 2,000 years ago, was born in Bethlehem. So that's what we're going to celebrate in three weeks' time, his coming in history. We also know that he's going to come again. Sometimes we call that his second coming or his final coming. Come at the end of time. And that time, he's not going to come like a little baby, but he's going to come in majesty and in glory. That's, that's the day of judgment for us. So he will come then. We, have, we aren't there yet. 
But so we're in this time now between those two comings, between the first coming of Christ in history at Bethlehem and between that second or final coming at the end of time. So it's at that coming at the end of time that this last prophecy will be revealed because obviously the wolf and the lamb don't get together very well. We have to keep them apart. The leopard and the goat don't get along very well. Nobody's going to let your little baby play by a cobra's den. That would be a very bad thing to do. So we, we aren't there, but that's where we're headed. That happens at the final coming of Christ when all of creation will be renewed and restored. Even the animal kingdom will no longer be at war with itself. So that's the new creation promised by the scripture. We aren't there yet. But what we are in is this middle period. And the fathers of the church remind us that Christ still comes today. He comes not in, not in history like he came 2,000 years ago, not in majesty like he will come someday at his final coming, but today he comes in mystery and in hiddenness. And so... Especially he comes to us in the sacraments, sacrament to the, this mass that we celebrate today, the Eucharist. Jesus comes to us as real as he can possibly be, as real as he came 2,000 years ago, as real as he'll be at the final coming. It's Jesus today. That's why we genuflect when we enter a Catholic church, because we believe that Christ the King, our Lord and God, is really here with us. He's going to make himself present at the altar here. But why does he make himself present at the altar? Only so that he can come here, into my heart. So, you know, this, is, this grace is available for all of us here this morning. Uh, if we are receiving Holy Communion today, uh, we welcome Christ physically into our body, but not for the sake of welcoming physically, but for the sake that, of his coming into my heart. If we're not receiving Holy Communion today, we still encounter Christ and we can welcome him into our heart at this Mass. And I tell you what, I need it because sometimes our heart feels like a stump. My life feels like a stump sometimes. There are parts of it that feel dead, lifeless, unable to bear fruit. I need God to work a miracle there. And thankfully, I can wait for him to come even into those places that feel dead, those places of my heart and my life. Maybe I need him to come and bring justice to the poor because I feel so much my own weakness, my poverty. I need this prophecy of Isaiah to be filled today in me that Jesus is coming to judge the poor with justice and the afflicted with rightness. Or maybe it's that peace that he desires to bring, the reconciliation. He's not going to bring reconciliation now between the lion and the lamb, but what can he do? He can bring reconciliation into my life and into my relationships, forgiveness, peace in my heart, freedom from anxiety. That's the kind of miracle that the Lord wants to work when he comes in mystery into my heart, which can even happen today. So the Advent season is a time of waiting for us, and it's not so much a time of waiting to get to open our presents under the tree. 
but rather a waiting for Christ to come anew into my heart. So let's ask the Lord to come anew. Come, Lord Jesus, please come. Come into our hearts. Come into those places that are dead, lifeless, fruitful, fruitless. Come, please come, even today. We wait for you. Please come.